You guys know how much I love nursing schools. Well, we have another one that wants us to tell you about their MSN and DNP Family Nurse Practitioner programs. Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years. And right now, they are offering tons of scholarship opportunities starting at $10,000 for both of these programs. You know, I'm in the midst of getting my MSN. And let me tell you, I wish I would have known about these scholarships when I first enrolled. Visit them at smumsn.com and show them how much you appreciate them for sponsoring our podcast. That's smumsn.com. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and you can also see what they pay the stipend the hourly rate all of that i'm a travel nurse now with trusted health and i absolutely love working for them so go to trustedhealth.com be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today Hey everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back for another week of true crime and nursing and not just nursing. Hey, we have advanced practitioners on this podcast as well. We just got the whole thing and a little, of course, true crime for you people that are just like me. And that's probably the only reason you're listening to the podcast. We have that too. And this week we have Tom with Just Some Podcast for Advanced Practitioners on. Hey, Tom, how are you? I am doing great. How are you doing, Miss Tina? I'm wonderful. I have nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Absolutely nothing wrong at all. And that's Tom the was, way we want to keep it. Yeah. Oh, no. Tom was diagnosing me before we got started re- recording. <laughs> I was like, there's nothing wrong with me. I refuse to go to the doctor. <laughs> So. You certainly wouldn't be the first patient to say that. So you're you're good. You're good so far. You're good. It's I'm I'm one of those nurses that I've just seen too much, and I'm afraid. I'm just, I'm so afraid of being that exception. You know, the one one in one thousand who ends up in the hospital because you know they were going to get you know some kind of bands or something, and to just fix a little. I don't know, a little loose esophagus. It was, you know, a little sphincters just, you know, kind of got a little loose in there and we'll fix it right up. No problem. We do thousands of these every day. There's never a problem. But they also have to give give you the little disclaimer, but, you know, every now and then. And of course, I'm afraid I'm going to be that one person. So, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to point out they may do thousands a day, but the number of accidents isn't zero. So, mm-hmm. you know, just, Not- you know, keep it, keep it in mind. But in general, Tina, most people <laughs> have very pleasant experiences and it fixes the problem. So just f- keep faith That's in true. the medical professions <laughs> and um, go see your doctor. That's what you I should do. do. <laughs> I do. First of all, before we get started, you guys know we have a great show planned for you. This is going to be one fascinating story that we're going to tell you. It's really sad and just so, I mean, very complicated and hard to understand. And then also, I'm really excited about the good nurse story because this is, we've never had a good nurse on like this one before. I'm really excited about that. But before we get started, I want to tell you about something else I'm really excited about because Tom and Ben, that's Tom's counterpart, his partner in crime, Ben, they, those two, when you get them together, it is just hysterical. So I love their podcast, but they're actually coming up with an additional, not they're going to continue to, to do their, their podcast, but they're having an additional podcast after the first of the year. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell everybody about it because I'm excited. We are starting a new podcast called We'll Continue to Monitor. We're going to be focusing on 
Well, primarily, I would say medical mysteries. But to be completely fair, we're not going to limit ourselves to just medical mysteries. We're going to try and dissect mysteries in general. And we've done a few episodes like that on just some podcast, and they really exploded. And several people reached out to us and said, hey, we really like these. You should do more of them. And after time, we just said, why not just do a whole nother podcast that focuses on that so we can get just some podcasts back to more its educational roots and then do, you know, the medical mysteries or mystery investigations on will continue to monitor. So we're very excited, a lot of work going into it. And just after the first of the year is when we should start being able to put out some episodes. So we're looking forward to it and we hope people come over and listen. I'm excited about it. I selfishly called Tom uh, on the way home from the PodCon because my husband and I were listening to, and we were listening to the medical mystery ones and I wanted more. And I was just calling him like, you need to do more of the, just focus on these, only these. So I'm serious. (laughs) They're fascinating. They will keep you on the edge of your seat. It's just unlike anything you've heard. that I've heard anyway. And it's, I don't know, it's mysterious, but I like stuff like that where you just don't know what to expect. It's something different every, you know, every time. And so I'm really curious to see what you guys are going to come up with. And I'll keep you guys informed and I'll update you whenever they're, whenever they decide to start dropping them. Hey guys, it's Ben from Just Some Podcast Media. Join my co-host Tom and I as we delve into unexplained mysteries and clinical conundrums in a new podcast called We'll Continue to Monitor. Available starting in January 2022. So I guess we can get started with this bad nurse story. Wow, what a terrible, terrible story. This is actually an episode of Snapped. I know you guys are going to be shocked. Those are Tina's bedtime stories. I love Snapped. I I could sit. (laughs) I say nothing like that to get tucked into bed, huh? It is true. I am so weird because. Now, I do like to, my occasional just like random boring documentary, too. I just will have that, you know, something playing. But the most comforting thing in the world for me is to just have something like Forensic Files or Snapped or something like that just playing in the background. And I just like sit there and just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. It's so weird. And I have a timer on the TV and it just goes off. Weirdly enough, you're you're not the only person I know that does that, but I, I never worry about the person that's listening to it. I always worry about their significant other, like, oh, that poor person. Like, this person's just planning a crime if you mess something up or make them angry. So just to all the husbands to that have wives that listen to Snapped on a regular basis, just be prepared. Like, they are prepping. So just keep that in mind. I'm prepping for my show. So I, I feel like it's <laughs> show prep. All the time. That's all I, I, that's the reason I started this podcast. So I would have an excuse to watch true crime and not feel guilty about it. Well, you're not (laughs) wrong. I mean, it is show prep. It just would come in handy if your husband disappeared. So I'm just saying like (laughs) it all works out. Yeah. Thank goodness. My, I love my husband so much. I would never, ever do anything to hurt him. I love him so much. That's what they always say, Tina. I know they they always do. There's like nothing you can do because these people have got all the bases covered, I'm telling you. And it doesn't seem to matter because and I and I keep saying, you know, I would love to run out of material for this podcast, but even though we've been talking about this for 3 going on 4 years now, 
people keep doing stuff like this. And it's like, I keep trying to tell people, you're going to get caught if you if you do things. And now, I, I will say, sometimes people literally do, quote, snap. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just like, you know, heat of passion or fury or whatever it is, or mental illness or, you know, whatever. There's lots of different reasons why people do things, but... Sometimes people are just diabolical. Yeah, some people are just bad people. I mean, not always, but sometimes they're just bad people. But like when you said you hope to run out of this, I'm like literally one of the first first stories in the Bible is you know Cain killing Abel. So um, no, you're never going to run out of these. Stories. Yeah, I, I I don't. It's just the human condition. There is just something about human beings that eventually we'll find another one that we don't like and static will fly. So apparently, though, chicks just take it to a whole new level. So really. And then there's me <laughs> that I find a stink bug in the, the hospital room and I have to put it on a napkin and take it outside because <laughs> I can't stand the thought of doing something to hurt any living thing. <laughs> <laughs> How very Buddhist of you. So I, <laughs> I, I do understand what you're saying, though. Sometimes you're like, oh, that poor little ant. Like he was just minding his own business and something. What did he, he never asked for exactly. anything. <laughs> but. Spiders? No, I have no mercy. No, Spiders? They can be cute. No, they can. no. That's where you're wrong. No, no. <laughs> this is where we're gonna look. If there's one thing that will terrorize me, if you said Tom, right <laughs> if you said Tom in one room is a daddy long legs, and in the other room is a giant anaconda, I would pick the anaconda every day and twice on Whoa. Sunday. Like I do not deal with spiders. That's there. Look, they have way too many legs. They have way too many eyes. They can shoot silk out of their butt. They can climb on walls upside down. They can crawl into your mouth while you're sleeping. And if they bite you, sometimes it gets infected and your hand falls off. Okay. So, Ooh. no, there's nothing good that comes from spiders. Um, they no. eat mosquitoes. That mosquito was a living creature, too. He was just minding his <laughs> business. So, he was just he was just going along, biting his own day there, Miss Tina. Yeah. And some spider viciously attacked him. Yeah. It just... I just, I, I know, I know they help with bugs. I really do, but bruh, I just can't deal with spiders. They're just <laughs> creepy. They're creepy, man. I just don't like them. Mm -mm. There is a video, boy, am I digressing now, but there, there is a video of a tiny little spider and this woman like befriended it. It's so weird. And it is the cutest little spider you've ever seen. I mean, it is so cute. It's a strange, like one of those like Upworthy or Dodo, you know, videos that just says something cute and sweet. I have never befriended a spider. I will say this, <laughs> and then we can move forwards. I found a little spider that created a web in one of my bathrooms, and I named him Frank. Oh, did it climb up climb up the water spout? No, <laughs> no, no. I've heard that song, but no. Frank stayed down in his little corner, and every day I'd go in there, and there was Frank, and I decided to try and get over my fear of spiders by. Not messing with Frank. I just let him be, right? And then actually one day my wife decided she saw a web and, of course, cleaned it up. And I came home and I was like, where's Frank? By the way, she had no idea <laughs> who Frank was. So I'm asking about an imaginary person in her mind, which led to a whole new conversation because she knows I am terrified of spiders. So she didn't believe me that it was a spider. She didn't understand mm. why I was asking about someone named Frank. So it was <laughs> actually kind of funny for about four minutes until she was like, what? you did what? And so... But yeah, I tried one time, and you know what it led to? Calamity. So that's it. No more. Spiders are dead oh, to me. Just, I can't deal with oh, them. Oh, no. <laughs> Frank, Frank, big guy, you know, I'm doing this for you. But after that, yeah, they're all they're just terrible. Look at a scary movie. 
Look at Harry Potter. There's one bad thing in Harry Potter besides the wizards. It's spiders. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're just terrible things. So, no, I'm anti-spider. Hmm. Did you guys hear that? He's anti-spider. I did not know that about him. Uh, Canceling Tom for being anti-spider. Oh, boy. Yeah. No, I just, they're just creepy. I just don't like them. That is so funny because we literally got through one sentence of the story and spun off on all all sorts of stuff. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. I'm on. I am on track. So, yes, this was an episode of Snapped and I just happened to be sitting there and it's one of those where right at the beginning of the show, you know that they're a doctor because it's it's like, you know, there was a doctor and this and then right away, Mark and I both are kind of trained to do this where our ears kind of perk up like, is there going to be, is it, it going to be a nurse or somebody that, or, or a doctor, you know, that did it? And yeah, so... Uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> Michael James Davis was the doctor in the story. He is not the bad person in the story, but I just want to tell you, give you a little backstory on him. He was born in 1944 and grew up in Los Angeles. He went to UCLA, got his medical degree. He was a reconstructive surgeon, and he got married, had two children, and then was divorced in 1995, and then he remarried a woman by the name of Deborah Siegmund, and everyone described her as being really outgoing. They were very much in love, just had a great, you know, uh, relationship. And so they had this big ceremony in 1996. And then in when Paris. they came back. In Paris. Paris. In Paris. Is How romantic. Not? Yeah. I know. It's wonderful. So they came back, and then she decided to start working with him in his medical practice. So they work together, they would write in together. Their business start, starts flourishing. And I mean, that sounds like a, a pretty nice life. You know, them being able they get along that well and working together. She's helping him build his business. He did abdominal plasties, liposuction, facelifts, brow lifts, rhinoplasties, breast augmentations, that sort of thing. Had an excellent reputation for being an excellent doctor. So on the morning of July the 3rd, 1997, they drove into work together and when they got there they were kind of surprised to see that their first appointment of the day was sitting outside waiting for them because normally their office manager her name was Kay Carter would get there early and open up the practice for them and she would let the first patient come on in you know have a seat in the waiting room whatever so right away they pull in and they're thinking well that's odd we're Where's Kay? You know, yeah, you see your business up. closed up. Yeah, something's um, awry mm-hmm. right off the bat. Well, they go in through the back of the office where they normally do. And Deborah says that she stopped to fix her makeup. She said she recalled smelling coffee in the air where the office manager, Kay, had got gone in and made a pot of coffee. And she heard a woman talking and she heard the woman say something about multiple surgeries and then she heard her husband say something like i'm sorry i care and that came right out of the court documents after that happened deborah said that she heard gunshots and so she ran out the back door to another office building that was nearby and called 911 so this is horrifying and i mean this was back in what 1997 i mean nowadays this happens way, 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 way too much. It's awful. Well, it is awful, and it's it's scary. I work in an office, and it used to be 
you know, nothing bad happened to anybody in medical care. You know, we were we were the people that people wanted to be around. And then people started having trouble in hospitals. And now it seems if you're a medical professional, there is no safe place anymore. It seems like like you said, this is happening so often nowadays that in 1997, this was unheard of. Like I, you know, I'm old enough. I remember I was basically an adult in 1997 and you did not hear about shootings in hospitals or medical offices. So for this to happen is really absurdly like out of place. Like it just didn't happen. Well, of course the police start investigating it and um, responding officers arrived there. Dr. Tavis, he was 53 years old. He was dead from the gunshot wounds. And then on the floor near her desk was the office manager, Kay Carter. She was 59 years old. She was alive still. She was critically injured, but she was alive. And it looked like she had sustained a single gunshot wound to the head. She wasn't moving. She was making sounds, kind of moaning, but she wasn't moving. She was rushed to a nearby hospital. And they figured out that the killer had gone into the office through the same entrance door that the the doctor would go through, you know, a back entrance, and uh, that she had been the first victim. Dr. Tavis was shot one time in the chest and then one time in the side as he turned to run. And then as he ran toward the waiting room area, he was shot two more times in the back. So <sighs> Multiple gunshots is never... It, it's almost, and they, they talk about it a little bit later, but when someone is emptying an entire magazine or a gun into somebody, like, it's a anger. Like, that person's not out to just hurt you. Like, they want to make sure something bad happens to you. Because if you look if you look at Kay, one gunshot wound. Dr. Tavis, multiple gunshot wounds. The investigator said it really seemed like it was personal and that it was definitely directed toward him. It wasn't some random act. It wasn't wasn't burglary. It was wasn't anything. It was obvious that that someone was targeting him. And again, that's that's what I'm going back to is like they could have just inflicted some pain. That's not what they wanted. They wanted to make him suffer, and that's what this led to. They wanted to make sure he was absolutely dead. There's no doubt, and they didn't care obviously who they had to get through to be able to get to him. So investigators asked Deborah, his wife, if there was anyone who maybe she could think of, maybe had a grudge or was upset with her husband. Would there be anybody that she could think of? She did say that there were some people who had been unhappy with some of their surgical procedures. I don't think that that would be uncommon because I think that maybe a lot of people who go to get plastic surgery, maybe have unrealistic expectations as to what it's going to look like. They don't, even if the, the doctor tries to educate them about it, some people are just unrealistic about what to expect and they expect perfection. You know, the person that we're going to be talking about definitely seems like one of those people. Yeah. I think it's beyond just unreasonable expectations. I think no matter what happened, they were going to be unhappy about something. It's good. It's important for the audience to hear that this isn't just a person that was mad about one procedure. Like this is a person that has a history of problems. And I think that's going to bear some fruit for this story. Well, he had been sued a few times. I, again, I don't think that would be anything unusual. Medical malpractice complaints, accu accusations of negligence and incompetence. They said that their investigators began working to follow up on those to see if there was anything unusual 
in the behavior of the people who had filed those suits. They did have criminal arrest records, had they made prior threats. And so they started working on each one of those people as potential suspects. Since there wasn't really anyone else, you know, in the mix, there was no one, no one else that would have wanted, you know, that would have had a, a grudge like that against him. Well, and like you said, it's clearly not a robbery. It's There wasn't any other motive, you know, anger. So it would have to, you know, if you were the police looking at it, you, you can rule out random chance right off the bat. It has to be somebody that knows the doctor. So that's a good starting point. There was a woman who worked in the neighboring building who told investigators that she had seen a suspicious woman inside a small pickup truck behind his office on the morning of the murder. She remembered when she went out to her car at one point, she thought, oh, wait, my car isn't where it normally is parked. And then she thought, oh, yeah, there was somebody parked there. I had to park somewhere else. Like when she went out to her car later, some people like park in the same place every Mm -hmm. single day. And if it's in the back of a building where the employees park, I would imagine probably everybody kind of has their little place they park. And so one day she pulls in real early in the morning, probably. Well, this was real early in the morning before everything opens. And someone is in the spot that she normally parks in. So she remembered that and she thought it was odd. And so she told the investigators about it. We'll take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. You guys, a career in nursing is more than just a job. It's a lifelong journey of learning and growing. And professional development is key for any nurse hoping to advance their career. So how about you? Are you ready to take your career to the next level? If so, now is the time for you to get your certification in nursing. Earning your certification is a major professional milestone. It's a seal of approval recognized by professional peers, hiring managers, and patients. It signifies your commitment to excellence, your level of competence, and can make you more marketable in a competitive field, offering 18 different certifications, including 12 specialty certifications. Whether you're looking to earn your first certification, ready to renew, or exploring new certifications, they are there to make the entire process as easy, affordable, flexible, and painless as possible. Whatever your practice level or desired specialty, they can help you prepare your exam with a range of affordable tools and resources designed to set you up for success. And their commitment to you goes well beyond the exam. They provide all the ongoing support, advocacy, guidance, and resources that you need throughout your nursing career. This is your career, and you deserve the best. At ANCC, they're going to be there to help you every step of the way. So visit pages.nursingworld.org forward slash GNBN to learn more. That's pages.nursingworld.org forward slash GNBN. And we'll put that link on our website. If you want to just go to Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, you can click on it from there. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's four products, the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil. What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you? The cream I put on every day after work. I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable. And the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well-rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past. I didn't realize that about the feet. And I have plantar fasciitis. So now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that 
invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products, greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in CBD stat in their product, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. Be sure and put the forward slash good nurse, bad nurse in there so they know that we sent you there. cbdstat.care. Be sure and put .care instead of .com forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. I also work in an office and I guarantee you the majority of us, well, human beings by nature are creatures of habit. Most of us are anyways. So it's not unusual for people to get like that parking spot that they like, or that's where they usually go to. And so, yeah, any change in that routine actually in this case helps the investigators because now the witness is going to, it's been ingrained in her head. I park in this spot every day. If I have to move, that's very unusual. You're going to remember that. So that in some ways, as terrible as this is, that helped out the investigators because that was so clear. Yeah. She said I had left for my lunch break at about one o'clock and came back and she was in the parking lot. What was really strange was by the end of the day at five o'clock, she was still there. So why would someone be sitting in their car from one o'clock, you know, in the afternoon until five in a, in the back of a, of a business that if you have no, if you don't work there, you know, or even if you do work there, there's, there's just no, really no excuse for that. So it definitely, like you said, and I, I know you're thinking like a police officer, like people's memories are terrible. I don't trust eyewitnesses, but in this case you would, because it's going to make it stick out in her mind. And that, in that case, it would make her more reliable. You're right. Most people are actually terrible eyewitnesses. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that shows eyewitness testimony is not always the best thing in the world. However, in a case like this where she's under low stress, okay, so nothing bad is happening at this point in time. You're changing her routine and it's something clearly out of place. Those are actually all key factors to making this extremely relatable inside the witness's mind. So like I said, as terrible as this is, and it is, these all played, all these little parts put together played a really big part in the witness being able to recall with such detail and clarity so the police could follow up on it. Yes. And it really helped them out a lot because they started looking into the potential suspects from a list that his wife gave. And one of the suspects that they were not able to get in touch with was a woman by the name of Teresa Ramirez. Teresa was born in 1952, grew up in San Francisco. She was the oldest of three children. And she was one of these people, apparently, according to her friends, that never smoked, never drank, never swore. It was just like a very pleasant person. I don't know. A person that never smokes or drinks or does like... That's the got, to me. Gotta rough up the edges a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. I was like, you're sounded too perfect. Like you're trying to avoid something like... I, I mean... I don't know. I I think you got to have one thing <laughs> going yeah. for you. So I agree. Thanks, Doc. I'll uh, I'll keep it up. So she was a nurse, obviously, in Santa Rosa, oh, California. Boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Coworkers say Ramirez kept to herself and didn't socialize with them. In 1988, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. The cancer was only on her right side, but she elected to have a double mastectomy. So. And I think that's common for people sometimes. That well, is pretty common from what I mean, I it is, isn't it? Yeah, because that way, you know, it, everything can kind of be done evenly and uniformly or whatever. She went to Dr. Tavis for reconstructive breast surgery. 
And at first she was fine. And this is interesting because usually I, I thought that was weird because I feel like with plastic surgery, usually when they first do it, every, there's so much swelling that it looks terrible. You know, you have to wait for the swelling to go down no, no matter what they're doing because they just did surgery. Your body is just all inflamed. It's so angry, yeah. It's weird that she liked it at first and then decided she didn't like it. You know, and this is one of the things I didn't read up on, but it almost seems to me in my head like she had some kind of, well, obviously there's some mental health issues. I think with this one, it's pretty clear. But if she did have some kind of like maybe some body dysmorphia or something like that, that this is what triggered it. Like before when she was natural, and I'm not saying this in any bad way and I'm not pointing blame at anybody or saying something bad. I'm just saying it was her body and then it got altered. And then maybe that's what started the process of her examining everything and not being happy with anything. Yeah. She started complaining that they that they were uneven. And over the next 10 years, she would have all these different surgeries on her breasts. She was never happy with the results. She blamed her surgeons and it wasn't just him. It was everyone. Yeah. Surgeons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Multiple. Yeah. Her health insurance providers, when they balked at her ongoing procedures, she was just getting upset with everyone. So she sued Dr. Tavis in 1992. She was unsuccessful with that lawsuit. She said that he failed to disclose to her the risks of the silicone implants. And she said that they had leaked and that she didn't realize that that was the complication. I find that hard to believe. She's a nurse and she wouldn't have looked into the complications. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. And again, this is some of the stuff that I didn't dig too far onto this, but you're right. A, she's a medical professional, which and I'm not saying that means that you automatically know all the ins and outs of any procedure or piece of uh, equipment. I'm just saying she understands the ramifications of someone altering your body. So like you said, she didn't look into what's going on. And I know Dow Chemical, also named in a later suit, by, you know, had some problems with some of their breast implants and leakage. But I also don't think that was secret at in 1992. You know, if this was 1982, I'd say, you know what, maybe she had no idea. You know, maybe there was. But I think by 1992, some of the health risks associated with silicone implants and, you know, the complications that can come from these types of surgeries, on top of the fact she is a medical professional, she does know how to access that information and look it up herself. I do agree that it seems unlikely at best that she had no idea of any of the risks going into this. Yeah, I agree. On July the 7th, of course, that happened on July the 3rd, she was found unconscious in a San Francisco hotel room. She apparently had fallen into a, quote, diabetic coma. And these sometimes the terminology in some of these stories, I just go with it. It's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows what you're talking about. But in the room, they found $5,000 in cash, a train ticket to Southern California. There were two guns in there. And there was a notebook with a list of names. So apparently each page had personal identifying information about all these, like a litany of people that had to do with these, you know, surgeries that she had. Dr. Tavis, his address, his office address, his wife's name, Kay Carter, Kay Carter's address. So somehow she maybe, and just kind of like you were, we were talking before the show, 
you were talking about the office dynamics. And I'm sure that Kay Carter, at being the office manager, had to be the one to kind of tell her, no, you can't talk to the doctor today. You know, no, we're not going to do this. Doctor said no. Then she becomes the, the bad guy, you know. So then she gets us to be on the list, too. There were also multiple other doctors on the list. It was just obvious. There's no doubt in anyone's mind what happened here. Yeah, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. So I don't want to blame any first responder, but at the same time, someone has a notebook, and in my head, I just imagine like a poorly drawn stick figure with like, kill this person, like an arrow pointing down at it that she had drawn in this book. I'm like, how much more obvious did she have to make it that I have a plane ticket, I have their personal addresses, I have where they work, their schedule, I have weapons in the room with like literally it is a domestic terrorism kit that she assembled and put on a table that they found. And, and it is even ugh, you just know, sad thinking about it. Even, uh, you know, there's a, some, I guess someone working for like an insurance company that makes the decisions of whether or not she's going to be approved for a procedure. She had his name on the list, too. So that's kind of scary. I mean, even and thorough. You, you think, oh, really? And <laughs> yeah. you think you're you're uh, safe if you aren't working at the bedside and dealing with patients anymore? You're going to be behind a computer. She figured out, you know, who this person was and had his information on there. Yes, apparently, uh, Miss Ramirez had different thoughts on who should be safe. And again, that's why I think this this flipped into something from where her whole life everyone said how quiet she was to being a homicidal killer, like I, I think something triggered this avalanche in her brain of, of what's going on. And this is another reason that I'm like, oh, there's something bigger under the surface is because one of the things that it said later on is that they said, okay, if you want to get cleared for any more, you have to go through psychiatry and get psychological testing. That and was she, him that said that. Yeah. Oh, that was him. Okay. And then she got even madder, you know, and I'm not saying it's not an inconvenience. And if I was a patient and I thought I was in the right, I'm not saying I wouldn't be upset that you're telling me I have to go through more hoops to get what I want, but <laughs> to gather all the personal information on the entire chain of people involved, gather cash, train tickets, weapons. No, that's the step too far. I understand and can even sympathize with anger, especially towards an insurance company. But Lord, to take it to murder is a well, big she leap. had I know, and she had gone to his office that morning before she went to Dr. Tavis's office and he was out of town. Oh boy. That is the luckiest out of town trip that guy's taken in a yeah. long time. So they did do ballistic tests, and they matched one of her guns to the murder weapon, and she was arrested, charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder. In February 1999, Teresa Ramirez was found guilty of first-degree murder in the death of Michael Tavis and attempted murder of, of Kay Carter. She was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Kay Carter recovered from her wounds somewhat, but... She suffered permanent brain damage and lost the ability to speak. So I wonder how, you know, it, having taken care of my fair share of brain injury patients working on a progressive care unit where patients who have had to have, a you know, part of their bone, a bone flap removed out of their skull 
because of swelling and then they never really recovered, but they've been in this state for like 20 years. And so they've been in like a nursing home or even at home with family caring for them and they'll come into the hospital because they get pneumonia or maybe they're on a trach fin or something. I've taken care of so many patients. So it, I don't, I'm not saying that that's how, how she was, but it makes me wonder being shot in the head, unable to speak, brain damage, it makes me wonder if she wasn't in that state. Well, I think it's pretty clear from every every person, whether they have medical background or not, a gunshot went to your head is a traumatic event. Like Even if you survive it with little complication, you're still going to have a gunshot wound to your head so the fact that you know she couldn't you know talk or do anything it shows significant complication and like you said i didn't see what state she was in but i i would have to assume you're you're on you're on point that she probably was requiring lots of care and and was just prone to you know infection and and just getting worse so yeah, she did die from complications related to her injuries, according to this article in 2012. So several years later, she suffered that long. But Teresa Ramirez is currently incarcerated in California. She's 69 years old. Well, she was at the time this aired. Well, and and honestly, I hope she never gets out because I and I wonder if that's something I'm going to personally, I'm going to have to look into this when we get off the air and be like, so did they ever say like she's clearly psychotic? Like, but again, I want to know what she was a perfectly benign person. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke. I mean, good Lord, she didn't do anything. And then one day she gets a murder kit like I there is something going on there that I want to know more about what's going on. And I hopefully I mean, some for my morbid curiosity, but some like, hey, hopefully someday we can understand this and help prevent further people from going down this road. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So, you know, I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it. And she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, the echo technology that makes the stethoscope so amazing. Uh, you can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification, wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. 
Did you know that you don't have to go all across the country to be a travel nurse? You certainly can, but you don't have to. I literally took an assignment that's an hour and a half away from my house, and I love it. I can stay in a hotel room if I want, or I can drive back home. So it's the best of both worlds for me. For my next assignment, we're going to get a cabin in the mountains that's about two hours from our house, so it'll really be like a little getaway. Also, one of my really good friends is going with me so we can share expenses. You guys, even if you're just a little curious about travel nursing, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. Well, I guess we can get started with our good nurse story. I'm excited about this. You know, I always say at the end, even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. There's one that, that we, we missed. We missed this one. This is so cool. This is about the good nurse robot, Moxie. It's a robot. This is so fascinating. When I first saw it, I was almost offended. I was just like, are they going to try to seriously <laughs> replace us with robots? <laughs> well, well, and you know what? They referenced that. Did you notice the people that developed it? They talk about that in the story is like, we're not trying to replace humans. Like they are very, <laughs> Before very, we, everybody yes. gets, yeah. Gets <laughs> they are very yeah, on upset. brand. Moxie is not here to replace humans. Like that's very mm-hmm. clear. So especially in nowadays with clickbait and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. nurse robot. Oh, look what they're doing to us now. But if you read it, like you said, it's a great story. I can't wait to talk about this. I'm really excited. So this is well, it's first of all, talking about nurse nurse shortages. And, yeah. oh. and there, oh. not only is there a shortage of nurses who are willing to work at the bedside, I always finish it with, with that because there are, there's no shortage of nurses, but there are there is a shortage of nurses who are willing to work at the bedside. There's also a shortage of nurse assistants and nurse techs and the people who can be there as an extra set of hands, extra set of eyes, you know, to do vital signs and ba- bed baths and help take someone to the bathroom and help keep an eye on someone and just change bed and all that stuff. Really unsung heroes. You know, I I think a lot of the ancillary services in hospitals, environmental services, the, you know, people that cook your food, the aides, you know, whatever you call them, techs, aides, STNAs, you know, I don't want anybody to be mad, but so I'll keep it benign and just say aides. But seriously, I don't know. I know a lot of nurses that like to boss aides around, but I think there's a lot more nurses that understand their job would be virtually, if not completely impossible without help from PCAs. So this is really cool. So that's how they kind of start this article out is talking about how the, you know, this, the dire situation that we're in right now with the, the nursing shortage. Some hospitals are trying to figure out how to, how to combat Some. that. We kind of have, I have an idea of what they could do, but uh, they don't listen oh, yeah. to me. They don't listen to nurses. Yeah. Why would you they're, listen they're, to nurses about the nurses' problems? Yeah. No, I mean, because, that just, just give me we're going to be That'll very practical about it. Give us <laughs> yes. more money, then you'll have yeah. more yeah, nurses more. to have better nurse to patient ratios. It's that simple. Period. It is. And pay the techs more, pay the health unit coordinators more, pay the environmental services more, pay phlebotomy more. There you go. That's just fixing it. And pay CEOs less. There you go. You're welcome. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to be real popular (laughs) real soon. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, anybody out there? (laughs) Well, they decided that someone has decided to come up with artificial intelligent robot that can help you know, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what this person would do, but this this robot's name is Moxie. And so this West Texas hospital in, what is it? 
San Angelo, 260 yep, San Angelo. miles it says, southwest of Dallas. Yep. That's what Shannon I'm Medical Center. Their newest assistants are roving the hallways, but not on two legs. <laughs> they have wheels, oblong faces, and blue eyes that light up, literally, <laughs> into pink With hearts. pink hearts. <laughs> How cute. Did you ever see the movie from the 80s called... Oh, are you talking about Circuit. Short Circuit? Short Circuit. Yep. Short Circuit. Yep. With Johnny Five? five? Johnny of course. Five. Yes. So of good. Course. Oh, if man, you're an if 80s there, kid... If, yeah, that was always mm-hmm. on the list. Yeah, that is the best movie. It's so <laughs> oh, I love Johnny Five. This I, I if I had Johnny Five on the floor, I would be. I'd be sad. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, Johnny Five was alive, so that would also be tiny, a little bit scary to be like, oh, hello, talking robot that's wanting to be alive. Yes. Oh, Steve Gutenberg. What a what an actor. I know. <laughs> So they're saying they're one of the first hospitals in the country to have the technology and an Austin-based company, Diligent Robotics, created this artificially intelligent robot. It is called Moxie. It is supposed to be to assist healthcare workers. And so they had two units that they rolled this out for on Tuesday, December the 14th. This is two days ago. We're, we're recording this on the 16th. Man, this yeah. is hot off the press right here, people. You that, heard it here probably yeah. second or third. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to go with this is first. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, I mean, how neat. This, would, this is actually really clever. Sometimes you do just need a, another set of hands to run and grab you something. Or, I don't know, you know, just... This would be helpful. I'm not saying it's going to fix all the problems, but it, it could be helpful. No, it's not going to fix all the problems. But I think I think it's good to, for people that when they read the story, I'm assuming everybody that's listening now will go read the story. But I guess to be clear, they're not doing nursing functions. They're like, hey, I, hey, Moxie, I need you to go get me some tubes to draw labs or here's some labs. Take them down to lab. Uh, hey, Moxie, I need a bag of saline, you know, things that do not require critical thinking skills. Moxie is now able to take up that task so that people that need critical thinking, the nurses, the aides, the respiratory therapist, whoever can now actually do their job and not spend time walking down to the Omnicell or your Pixis doing whatever coming back, you know, and 30 seconds of trip doesn't seem like a big deal until after a 12 hour shift, you realize, Oh, I did that 134 times. You know, that's, that was 17 minutes of walking like just that. So I think this is a great idea. Honestly, if this takes off, I would not be shocked to see this develop like, and become more common. Me too. And I think that there's a place for it for sure. You know, to go get your medications, like you said, labs helping you to go get go get your supplies. You, you might be in a room and you need something and you can't leave the bedside. I don't know how many times I've done that where I need to call out and say, can somebody bring me something? Yeah. And it would be awesome. Well, just think about like all the times, especially nowadays with COVID. Now, granted, I haven't been bedside during the pandemic, a small blessing, but I have been in many, 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 many isolation rooms and it sucks when you are all gowned up and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, I need one thing <laughs> and it's just outside the room. You know, like that would be a great time for Moxie. You know, this article says that in Texas there were 30, 36,468 advertised job openings for registered nurses, the highest number of unfilled jobs across the state by the Texas Workforce Commission released on Tuesday. December 14th. Yeah, and it says across the state, but I think they meant across the country because 34,000 open jobs, that is a hell of a number. 
unfilled jobs across the state. Yeah, the state of Texas. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the whole state, I'm sure that's like one of the biggest numbers in the country is probably oh, yeah. Yeah, 34,000. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. good Lord, man, that is that is a ton. Because like I know where I live, you know, I'm sure, look, to be clear, I don't think anywhere is having an overabundance. I mean, I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in Rhode Island, okay? I'm sure there isn't just nurses standing around doing nothing, okay? So this is something that hits all of us, but let's face it, and you're a more populous state like Texas, you're going to need more nurses. So they are really hurting. I just, I can't fathom what is going through. Though, as you pointed out, and I like this, uh, pe uh, people are worried about the dwindling and unsustainable workforce. I'm like, I was thinking the exact same thing you said earlier. I'm like, yeah, well, fix it. I don't, I don't, I don't need 12 administrators to run five nurses. What I need is 12 nurses and five administrators and pay them less and pay them more, you know, like pay the nurses more. So <sighs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys, I have a new toy and I'm playing with it right now because I'm oh. just like, that was the perfect opportunity for me to use the clapping. <laughs> sound effect <laughs> i i couldn't agree with myself more so yeah no i i'm glad you did it but yeah it just it, all of the things you said were right it's so clear you know and i know it's and again it's not just nurses you know i mean i know you know my wife and she's a respiratory therapist there are hospitals right now i know of that we can talk about off the air that they have more positions open than they actually have people on staff anymore like that is a legitimate thing that is happening right now. You know, if people see something like Moxie and get scared, I'm like, you shouldn't because people are trying to develop a solution to help you. Like, so I would, this is one of those situations where I say, Hey, you need to be embracing the technology, not be worried about it. If somebody's out there yeah. worried about it. I think we should. I, I, I love bedside nursing. I love nursing and I want to continue to be able to do it. Now, I do believe that we are not paid equal to the amount of responsibility that's placed on our shoulders. We're just not. We're not respected for the knowledge that we're required to have in order to do our jobs and the skill level that we have to work at in order to take care of people. And until we get to that point, I think we're always going to have, and we always have had, a problem because nurses aren't, we're not compensated at that level for working at the bedside. If we were, we more would stay at the bedside because I'm very fulfilled working at the bedside. As a travel nurse now, I make more money than some of the doctors. I mean, I'm just putting it out there, but it's true. It's it, it, it going around to it and driving a couple of hours away from my house. I actually get paid what I believe I am worth. That's equal to what I have to be able to do, you know, there I'm handed very sick people and I don't have a doctor or a nurse practitioner or a PA or anyone there who's, who's able to practice medicine that knows all this stuff. I have to know it. I can't just rely on someone. I have to know it. When I started nursing in bedside, I was ICU as well. And I can't tell you how many entire shifts I would go without seeing any doctor, any provider. Like it was me and the other nurses. We ran all of that by ourselves. That is not discounting what providers do. Obviously, I think they're pretty important. I am one now, but it is, I, I think the problem that we're seeing now has always existed. What the pandemic did was blew the lid off and said, okay, well, the people that are being abused are no longer going to sit around and be abused. It's just not going to happen. All right. And I think 
all these, this mixture of, you know, patients, patients' families treating nurses like crap, administrations treating patients like crap, not getting paid what they're worth at all levels, not just bedside nursing. Like you said, AIDS, uh, x-ray techs, RTs. The reason I say I, I think it's also pretty clear is because guess what? As you said, I'm a travel nurse and look how much I'm, I'm getting paid what I'm worth now. So they can clearly pay it. You know, they're paying nurses. Oh, here's a thousand dollars a week to pick up an extra shift. You know, here's two hundred dollars an hour to work overtime. So they clearly have the money like when they want the money, they clearly have it. So why not invest that in your people and make it so that you are not short staffed and take care of them from the beginning? Like, why not do that? Why not improve our benefits? I've worked for a couple of hospitals and by far the worst benefits I've had in my life. Are working for hospitals. Someone has to explain to me why when I spend all day taking care of people, I get the least amount taking care of me. Like it just does not make sense. And if hospitals really want to get serious about that, and again, pay nurses what they're worth so they want to stay, invest the time and money in good benefits, you know, make them make them have a reason to stay at home. And if they want to end the shortage, like you said earlier, what you said, and I think, you know, investing in your people is the way to go. And honestly, I think technology like this, like, hey, you know, get some moxies, you know, take the burden off your nurses so they don't have to worry about getting lab tubes all the time, you know, or the aides are busy, you know, let them do their job. And, you know, so in, investing in your people, investing in this type of technology, I think is the answer. And I, I honestly think it will happen. I think it'll take several years, <laughs> but I think, I think stuff like that will start be the turning point because I think people will just go, uh, hospitals are just going to start having bigger problems than this. I don't think the problems are going to be stopped anytime soon. And that is the happy point of view by Tom. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, actually, hey, I, you're giving me bonus points because I know uh, certain people when they hear this are going to be like, oh. it won't stop. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I don't know how to well, use it. <laughs> the crowd really loves, really loves the idea. Well, I love this little Moxie. So that's our good nurse for the week. <laughs> we'll put a link to the story down in the show notes where you listen to the podcast. So at the place where the thing or you do At stuff. The, on the thing where you go see the thing and listen to the thing. It's down in there somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can find me at places. So. Yeah. It's all those places where you go on your phone and scroll. Somewhere yeah. in there. Somewhere in there. <laughs> Just do the Google. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Tom, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I appreciate it. Really excited. It is about always a pleasure. What you guys have going on. Can't wait for that to get launched. We'll come. We'll have to have you guys back on next month whenever you're ready to launch that. And we'll have a big celebration. I'll use the cheering app, the little <laughs> yeah. cheering <laughs> device. <laughs> That'll be yeah. fun. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, but my favorite part is don't tell Ben and just randomly do it. Let's just <laughs> see what happens. Just, yeah. just randomly hit buttons. Like, what? So. And then act like, like nothing what's happened. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Just, just act like nothing happened. Act ben, like, like we don't even hear it. Like, what? Exactly. <laughs> What? Exactly. Why are you interrupting us? Stop. <laughs> yeah. Ben, are no you one's hearing clapping. voices again, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't hear someone cheering, did you? Oh. So. 
Oh my gosh. Well, and remind everybody where they can find you. So we are just some podcast for advanced practitioners is the podcast we have out now. And then we are, it's still going to be under just some podcast. We're, we're actually a media company. We produce a couple other company or podcast that you actually have had David on your show. We do his, you know, he's part of just some podcast. Um, We also have Pollyanna. She's great. And the new one is coming out. It's called we'll continue to monitor. And again, it's a medical, I keep saying medical mystery. It's a mystery show, but we're both medical practitioners. So we kind of look at it from that point of view. And that's one of the things we liked about it was like you, you listen or watch other shows and they're like, and then something bad happened. And then they just go on to the next thing. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, Ben's, you know, worked uh, as a deputy coroner. You know, I have background in law enforcement. So we kind of go, hey there's a reason why this happened and we kind of go over that. So we're hoping to not just blow your mind with some cool mysteries, but try and shed some light on how and why, and uh, hopefully have some really good stories. So we like doing it and and hopefully people will enjoy listening to it. Nice. I'm excited. And you guys know you can find me <laughs> goodnursebadnurse.com. You can email me at Tina at goodnursebadnurse and I'm on all the social media. Most of yeah. them, some of them, uh, maybe not all of them. I mean, anyway, Some of them. we're all- <laughs> Yeah. I was saying, yeah. I'm if mostly you just on it- Instagram. I mean, really, let's just be honest. I, was, I, I think I just forgot that. Yeah. If you just type in just some podcast, you should find us. There. Let's yeah. just keep it simple. There you go. And I think you should just type in good nurse, bad nurse. It's, it just comes up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm tired of doing all the social media stuff. So just put in that. <laughs> just do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God, my I'm terrible at that. <laughs> I've got to get better at that. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for listening. And also, don't forget, I want to remind you that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy or a bad robot, for that matter, (laughs) be a good nurse. (laughs) 